I really am jealous of my teaching and preaching time uh, for several reasons. One is I believe that teaching and preaching is so much a part of who we are as a church. And I am very honored that you have asked me to be the one who does that so often. So uh, I love that time and, and let go of it only when something really significant comes along. And today is something significant. Uh, during our normal preaching and teaching time, uh, Jennifer Ashlock is going to be sharing uh, some of the things that she is doing right now in Africa. Uh, Jennifer is a product of this congregation. She grew up here and is greatly loved here. And you are going to be so impressed with what's going on in the work uh, in uh, Kenya. So we're going to allow her to uh, share that with us as a whole congregation instead of in smaller groups because we feel that that work is so important and inspirational to us and we want to affirm her uh, in what she is doing. How then shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad tidings of good things. We are this morning in the presence of some very beautiful feet. Uh, Jennifer Ashlock is not a preacher. Uh, she is, though, a very gifted teacher and she is a missionary. She's a little nervous this morning, though uh, I think she kind of has her sea legs now since you're uh, the second group to hear her. But I'm proud of her. Uh, she's, one of, she's one of mine. She's one of ours, but she's one of mine because she's one of my huddle kids. And uh, uh, I knew better than to, in huddle, to... Uh, throw a question at her coldly because she would just go beat red and be unable to answer it. So I had to tell her ahead of time, okay, I'm going to ask you this question. And then she could answer it. Um, but she's nervous this morning, so y'all be nice to her when she comes up and smile at her. <laughs> Help her to feel at home and comfortable. I'm very proud of her, as you can tell. But I'm, I'm proud of this church, too. I'm proud that that we are sending her over there to do this work. There are, there are children and adults who will be in heaven because of the work Jennifer is doing in Africa. But there are also folks here whose lives are changed because of what she is doing there. There are young people in this, in this church, in these rows, who are watching her. This morning in, in first service, Andrew Mayfield led his first public prayer. And as Wesley mentioned, that's a memorable thing. Andrew was, was nervous also, but I overheard Andrew say, I decided if Jennifer could do what she's doing, I could stand up here and say a prayer. That's the way she's touching lives, not only in Africa, but here at home, too. So I don't want to say too much because I don't want to 
scare her off. But I'm very proud that Jennifer is going to be up here and telling you the things that she's doing because it's very amazing and it's awesome work. Good morning. Uh, I think Tommy said this, he said it earlier, but I grew up here and uh, I just wanted to say that this is my home. When I come back, people always say, how's home? Oh, wait, are you home? This is home. I am very blessed to have many homes. Uh, this is my home. Uganda is my home and Kenya is my home. And sometimes it feels like I'm homeless, but that's not true. I'm, I'm full of home. So this is one of my homes. And I want to thank uh, Johnson Street for just the love and support that you've given me over the last years. I have sat in this pew growing up. I've sat here in the youth group, and I've sat over here in the college group. So I've sat on all sides of this building. So this is home. And I want to thank all of you for being my family. I, uh, I don't know if most of you know where I am, but here's a map of Kenya, and Katali is right on the border of Uganda and Kenya, and so just kind of give you an idea of where I live. There's that map. I am, my main role is co-administrator with a family, Amy and Jason Beagle, and they're from Washington, and these are the things that we are in charge of. We are in charge of a primary school and a home-based care, which gives money to kids who may be orphans and living with their aunt and uncle, or their family life is not good, uh, and so we pay for their school fees and things like that, and then also the children's home. So I'm going to go through kind of the main things that I do and, and those kind of things. I have five Bible studies a week. Sometimes I have six if the post-primary kids are home. But I normally do five, one with the staff, and then I have the kids split up into uh, different groups. There's five groups, but I do four almost every week. And they're split up by age or by grade level. Since some of them don't speak English very well, then uh, I have them kind of in my lower group so that we can have a translator. Here are some pictures of the, the work. Uh, the staff is at the top. And then we did the Fruits of the Spirit, and I bought a different fruit for each, each uh, fruit and then Fruit of the Spirit. And then we got to eat it, and the kids love to eat. So we do a lot of eating in our Bible studies. And then at the bottom, washing the disciples' feet, we started out with the house parents and myself washing the kids' feet, and then they turned around and washed each other's feet. Each week, the kids have a memory verse. If they, if they say their memory verse and get it right, then they get a sticker and a suite. And then they, uh, when they get 10 stickers, then they get a party, whether it's movie, popcorn, things like that. So some incentive, but... With the younger ones, you can see that's a picture of, of our youngest, and he's three. And 
I'll have my translator, my little girl who translates for me, write it down in Swahili, and I'll just read it, and they'll repeat it. This is Brenda. She touched my heart in 2007 when she came to the children's home with her sister. They did not speak English, and they didn't barely spoke Swahili. They spoke their language out in the village. And she was very shy, and she still is shy, but she didn't want to talk to anybody. And that's a picture of her at, on the top when I first met her. And now she is in class four, so fourth grade, and she's my translator for the my first group, my little ones, and then also her group, which is the group two. And she does a wonderful job. She, my, I had asked my um, the mom on the girl's side, I'd asked her to translate for me, and she had been translating. And then one day, I just look over, and Brenda's sitting next to me translating. She had just taken over. So she was doing that, and I'm learning Swahili. And so there are things that I think I know, and I'll say, no, that's not how you say it. She goes, yes, that's how you say it. So I mess <laughs> I think I'm learning, but then I mess up, and so I just give up. <laughs> I started, after being there a year, right before I came back here for furlough, I started service projects. And our kids receive and receive, but they don't give very much. And so I thought it was important for them to learn how to give and also to receive, but also to give. And so I formed some groups of the kids, and I took my three-year-old all the way up to our 18-year-old out to different children's homes, and they presented either a Bible study, songs, uh, they did joke wars back and forth, which I had no idea what they were saying because it was all in Swahili, but they were all laughing, so I was laughing with them. And they did a great job. I was so proud of them. And they, while I was teaching my Bible studies, they were actually preparing it with our social worker. So I really had no idea who was doing what. I just, they all had to participate in one way or another. And so uh, here is Caleb. He is one of our shy ones who doesn't really say much in Bible studies. He'll say a little bit. He started coming out of his shell. Well, when we went... Like I said, I didn't know who was doing what. He got up and started reading the verses and doing Bible study. And I was so proud of him because he was out of his comfort zone. He just got up and did it. And I, afterwards, I said, oh, Caleb, I'm so proud of you. And he goes, oh, I tried. <laughs> so I was, just, I was just so proud of him. And I was proud of all of our kids because it's not an easy thing to do. And even our youngest one got up and, and sang with, with the group. Here are some pictures of our groups. The one on the top, uh, they're doing a joke war. Uh, you can even see Priska. She's uh, five, I think, and five or six, and she was up telling a story. And then we have our little ones at the bottom singing to the group. I decided to have a career week for our kids because they really struggle with knowing what they want to do. They'll either say lawyer, doctor, or pilot, but they don't really know what it takes to become that. And most of our kids don't do very good in school. And so in order to kind of say, 
hey, there's all kinds of options out there. It doesn't just have to be these three things. I decided to get together career week. And we had a hairdresser, we had a teacher, we had a carpenter, we had our social worker get up, and they presented kind of what they do and how they do it and what it took to get there. The young man on the bottom, he was a street kid, and the carpenter that we use trained him and gave him money to go to school, and he made my bed that I have in my house. And so he came and told his story, which was good for our kids because they saw, hey, he came from nothing, and look at what he's doing now. And so our kids who have a home and have a place and food we to see that, hey, someone can do something, and it doesn't have to be doctor, lawyer, or pilot. We started a transition program for our kids who are 18. They, When they're 18, they have to leave the children's home. And we started this program to help them because they're so sheltered in the home that when they leave, they don't really know how to survive out there. And so we started this program where we help them for four months and the money kind of goes down a little bit each month, but we, they have to bring their receipts in after every month and show us so that we can kind of help guide them in, no, this probably isn't the best way for you to use your money. One of the boys came in one day, and he, had, he came in a week early to get his money. And I said, okay, let's look at your receipts. Well, he had bought two T-shirts. And I said okay, let's look at this. You ran out of money a week early, and so you need more, but you bought two T-shirts. Which one's more important, eating or having two shirts? And he said, I really needed shirts. And I said, okay, well, let's try this. Why don't you buy one shirt this month and eat, and then the next month you buy another shirt and eat. So he did that. There are some requirements. They are supposed to take three courses. I do first aid, and when they do first aid, they get a first aid kit. Jason does a job training course, and Amy does a budgeting class. And the budgeting class is she made this whole folder. They have to go to town, find out how much things are. We give them the envelope system where when we give them money or when they get money, they know, okay, I have to pay rent. This is how much it is. I pay bills. This is how much it is. That way they can keep track of it. And so one of the requirements for them to be in this program is to go through these trainings. And then they also have, it's optional. They don't have to go through it. So if they do, they need to sign a contract saying, we will do all of these things that you require and but if they don't then they just get the first months and then they can do whatever they want this is robert he is one of the first ones to finish the transition program and he is just such a good example to all of our other kids i'm so proud of him he is just one of our best kids who does mechanics he started his own business he loves doing electrical work and it's so hard to find jobs over there that he just decided to start his own business. It's almost easier to do that. And so he did that, and he is actually starting to train one of our other kids to do those things. And so we like to use our alumni to encourage our other kids, and we really want to do that. We have post-primary, and like I said earlier, we have a primary school 
on our campus, but for secondary, they have to go out into boarding school. But we started this trade school where if they don't do very good in school, then they go to a trade school instead of a high school. And the trade school helps them learn a trade. And that way when they finish school, they actually can go out, get a job, start their own business, or work for someone. And we have four kids who are in secondary school, and we have seven who are in vocational school. And we have Martha, the one that's on there right now. She just finished school, and she's starting the transition program right now. And here are two more of our girls. Lena, I'm so proud of her. She's 15 years old, and while she's been in school, she's also been working. So she's already started making money. She bought her own phone, and she bought clothes and brought them back home to the kid, to the other girls. And so she was already learning how to give, and she just has a giving heart. And Margaret is in catering school, and she came over to, that's her at school on the top, and then that's my house at the bottom, and she's making fried chicken. I had her come over, and she made me and some of the girls fried chicken, and then I paid her to make a cake for my staff for Christmas, and so we try to do that. We try to encourage our kids by one of our girls in tailoring. I bought a sewing machine, and so she comes and she mends all of our kids' clothes that are torn, and we give her a little bit of money for that. So we really try to encourage our kids, especially those who are in trade school, to use their gift that they're, they're learning. One of my favorite things is to have the kids over to my house. They just love getting out. They don't get to get out very often, and so I just love having them over. And whenever they come over, we'll either have Bible studies or just play and watch movies or I have one-on-one time with some of the girls. They'll, I'll just have one stay the night and we'll just talk and visit and play. And then sometimes we'll have groups over, like this picture is just a group of our middle-aged girls who came over and Amy and I did this um, study with them. And then here's some pictures of just the kids at my house. I couldn't get the boys to take a serious picture, so that's, the, <laughs> that's them up top. And then you can also see the little ones. I even brought the little ones over. And sometimes they sneak in. When I'm bringing, there was one time I brought a group of the middle-aged boys, and when we got to my house, these little kids kept piling out of the van. So sometimes they end up at my house even when I wasn't planning on it. <laughs> There's some ways that you can help. First of all, just your prayers are very much needed um, for Amy, Jason, and I as we make decisions for the home and just try to guide our kids. Pray for the kids as they make decisions for their lives and just so that they can listen to our advice and just do what God's plan is for them. And that's what we want. We want them to do God's plan and we want us to do God's plan. And so just pray that all of that is God's will. We are struggling with monthly finances. About 20, we're short about $2,300 because when the exchange rate isn't good, then we end up spending more than what we actually have. And so we just need prayers. God has been providing. He provides. We look at the money and say, oh, no, are we going to be able to pay our staff today? But God provides so I just ask you to please pray for that. Contribute towards the transition program. It's about $280 per student. 
contribute towards secondary education, which is about $300 per term, and there's three terms a year. That includes their transportation, their medical, that includes their boarding, all of that, and contribute towards computers. One, a skill that's very much needed everywhere around the world is computer skills, and we just don't have the computers to be able to do that. And so if you would like to contribute or know someone who has computers to donate, then uh, they always use my computer, and so only specific ones get to use it. So uh, just for that. I would like to ask you to please, please pray. Tomorrow is elections in Kenya, and we don't know how it's going to turn out. The last elections was not good. There was a lot of... Um, fighting and a lot of people uh, were killed and so I just ask you to please pray for the elections they'll be a, they'll be holding that in about 12 hours so just please pray, please please pray for that again I just want to thank you all so much for your support and your prayers and just the love that you give uh, all the time not just to me but to everybody who walks through those doors so thank you. And Jennifer, since this is a different group, um, First Service um, responded in much the same way that you have. And I know that your hearts are full of appreciation for her admiration for all these things that are going on and love for Jennifer. So uh, we sort of have a tradition here at Johnson Street. Uh, whenever we have the opportunity to tell someone how much we love them, we sing the song. Brian? You know, probably more than any other time in most of our memories, we live in a world that we worry about. We don't know what's going to happen. We see extremism. We see uh, different religions vying for attention. And we just wonder where all that is going. I remember a verse that I was reading last week that really jumped out at me, and it's a simple verse at the beginning of 1 Timothy where, Jesus, uh, where Paul refers to Jesus Christ as our hope. And he truly, that's what he is. He is the only hope this world has, and it's going around and planting the seeds of Jesus and introducing people to him that provide hope for Africa, for Asia, and for our culture here in the United States as well. And when we hear someone like Jennifer that's out planting those seeds, and even though she's not touching at this moment thousands and thousands and millions of people, those seeds spread and grow, and that influence grows, and we don't know how far her influence will reach. We are grateful to God for sending us that hope, and I want to read a couple of verses in closing here from Colossians chapter 1. We give thanks to the Father who has enabled us to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has rescued us from the power of darkness. He has transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, in whom we have the forgiveness of of sins. There's a lot of things that I think I need in my life. Most of the time, I think I need more money. You know, if there was just more money available, then things would be so much better. You know, if money really was our greatest need, God would have sent His Son as a financial advisor or maybe as an economist. 
Sometimes I need, think uh, I just need more technology and more things. And if God had thought that our greatest need was to be more technologically advanced, he would have sent his son as a scientist. God knows what our greatest need is. He knows that what we need, what we need most of all is to be healed, to be put back together, to have our sins forgiven. And that's why he chose to send his son as our savior. We rejoice in his wisdom and we open our hearts to receive that mercy and grace that comes to us through Jesus, our hope. We close the day, we're going to stand and sing and this may be your opportunity to come and to seize that hope of the world and make it the hope of your life and have the greatest need that you have met, and that is the mercy and forgiveness of sins. Let's stand and